You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DiStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050, Julia Tashari and Mike DiStefano coming at you from downtown Toronto's Scotiabank Arena. The lights are bright tonight, AB. It's a TNT game down in the States. It's a TSN 1050 game here in downtown Toronto on your airwaves. New York Rangers currently on the ice right in front of us for their morning skate. A couple guys still, still bumming around out there. The Leafs already wrapped there's up this morning. We've got a loaded show for you guys today. David Alter is going to join us in about 25 minutes to chat about tonight's matchup. Molly Walker of the New York Post in the second hour to talk about the New York Rangers and, and their season and the Metro, uh, the other half of the East, which is the Wild West, because the West <laughs> isn't very wild this season, uh, which should be two pretty good, pretty well-matched teams, rather, tonight, A.B., yeah, it should be. And, I mean, these two teams always play pretty pretty close. Like, you know, it seems as though the Leafs always get the Rangers best. Like, they're always getting the Rangers best when uh, when these two teams go up against each other. And this is a team that's playing pretty good hockey of late. You know, I think the Rangers, what, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. They're getting some steady goaltending from Igor Shosturkin, who's rounding back into that form that he was a year ago when he was the world's best goaltender. So, uh, you know, the Leafs definitely, they've been playing a lot better of late. Uh, I'm excited for the goalie battle, though. Like, Samsonov, it, it looks as though he is going to get a fourth consecutive start. Matt Murray, we saw out on the ice today, which traditionally means that he's not going to play. So if we got to battle the two Russian tendies going toe-to-toe uh, yesterday, I believe it was, Ilya Samsonov had talked about how Shosturkin was, was you know, a, a mentor for him yeah. in a way back when they were in Russia. I believe they're from the same region in Russia. So uh, he's probably geared up and, and excited to play tonight's game, and we know how well he plays at home. A 9.39 save percent of John Holmice here at Scotiabank Arena. So going up against the Rangers squad, who's coming in, they've won seven of the last ten, they're playing well. He's got the guy on the other side who clearly is someone who, you know, he wants to beat. It should be a good goalie battle tonight. Yeah. You know, did we talk on our show yesterday about the fact that it used to be soup and there's no good goalie chant this year as of yet for, for Leafs goalies? And, and Samsonov specifically. I saw last night on, on Twitter some Leafs fans got together at uh, Real Sports da- downtown, and they were practicing saying, Sammy. So into that, if we hear it tonight, and even more into it, if he has a really good chant-worthy is, performance. Is that what we're going with, Sammy? Is that the, the chant that uh That's what I saw. You know, Curtis from Alberta, famously fan on Twitter. Yes. I see him. I think he's, he's in, in town building, right yeah. now. And uh, he was, I guess, at Real Sports with some Leaf fans last night, and they, uh-huh. were, they, I think, had a few beers and were practicing the Sammy chant in the midst of the bar. Love so it. I'd love to see that tonight. I'd love to see Samsonov have a pretty good game. While we're on the subject of goalies, though, before we continue on, did you see Shesterkin was, like, inches away from a goalie goal in their win? Oh, against uh, Florida? Yeah. Like, I did not, inches but... away, and he got the <sighs> Igor chant for being just so close to the goalie goal. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen tonight. No, hopefully that specifically doesn't happen tonight. But, God, I'd love to see a goalie goal. Jay, I was watching Jay talk about it yeah. like after it happened, and I don't know if I misheard him, but I think he said there hasn't been a goalie goal since, like, 2014 in the NHL. They have yeah, in the I think we've a couple, but, uh, in, yeah, I mean, like, lower ranks in the, in the yeah. league. But, yeah, I can't think, who would have been the last one to score in the NHL? Did he Did he say who it was? Uh, Pekka Rene, I think. Oh, yeah, Pekka. Pecorine would have been able to, to snipe one. 
Oh, it's so sad. I feel I so. I feel old seeing all these guys out there. But um, yeah, I think that like tonight to, for me, it's gonna be a goalie battle. And, like we'll do our our you know my best bets a little later on. But you know I think that this will probably be a pretty low scoring game. Like three of the last four meetings between these two teams have been low scoring. Um, but like, would you call this maybe a? I don't know if you want to call it a revenge game for Toronto. But last time these two teams played, you did have the New York Rangers end Toronto's point streak that they had. Yeah. They had like 14 straight games where they had gotten at least one point, and I think they're like two away from um, tying the like the modern-day record of the Chicago Blackhawks, and then, boom, took uh, ended up getting the L there. Okay, yeah, there's something there for sure, even though the Leafs tell us all the time they don't care about the streaks and they don't no. care about the personal accolades. There's got to be something there, and I think any time a team from the East comes into this building, a team that you know might potentially be on your path even though the east is kind of death row this year on on route to a stanley cup you probably get up for that one a little bit more especially a team that made a lot of noise in the playoffs last year even though the start to their season has been uh i don't know just kind of up and down and, and lacking consistency i was listening to a lot of new york rangers content last night and and the vibe that i was getting from their media was that they've just kind of struggled to find a, a really true identity this year after mm-hmm. losing those couple free agents uh last season and and things well, that were really working in the postseason last year just not coming to fruition the same way yeah it's a good point like ryan strom had become uh, a, a pretty big piece to what they were doing out there am i cra- did they not qualify him is that what happened uh, no, it was UFA. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. So Dylan Strom didn't get qualified. No, there yeah, we go. Dylan there Strom we didn't go. Qualified, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, but no, he he ended up leaving as UFA to go to to go to Anaheim. But, um, you know, he was a big part of what they were doing last year. Like he yeah. really kind of was, um, a, a big fixture in that top six. And they went and they signed Vincent Trocheck, who they were hoping could, you know, alleviate uh, some of the minutes and and numbers that Strom put up and and be able to maybe be a little bit of a uh, an upgrade on what Strom brought to that team but he's really struggled like I was looking at his numbers over the last little bit just four points his last 12 games and for a team that clearly has you know aspirations to to go deep like this is a squad that was in the Easter Conference final a year ago yeah like they they clearly believe that they could get there again they've got the goaltending they got some star talent up top with you know uh, our our Temi Panarin Zibanejad Chris Kreider scored 50 a year ago um you know I, I he's on pace to still be, I have a 40 goal season himself. Um, Adam Fox, clearly one of the best defensemen in the world, but it's just that secondary scoring that they were hoping that, you know, Trocek could give them to allow this team to take that next step. Just hasn't quite happened yet. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. We're gonna have Molly Walker on, as you noted, in, in about an hour or so. Curious to get her thoughts on, you know, why that integration hasn't really gone as well as they had thought. Yeah, that and the fact that, like, when you talk about taking another step, the, the fact that their young guys haven't taken that... It, it's like they were so good in the postseason last year. I had Lafreniere, Cabocaco circled to have a really big year this yeah. year after getting that playoff experience and, and seeming to find themselves in the postseason last year. And Lafreniere's been like a healthy scratch as of late. I know he scored on Monday night versus Florida, his first in 17 games, I, I believe I read. Uh, and I love Lafreniere year he came on to talk about his uh peanut allergy with us last year which was yes. riveting content perhaps we can go downstairs and get some more Friend peanut allergy content of out of our buddy Lafreniere <laughs> but uh yeah just 
hasn't seemed to shake out for him yet this year. Anyways, yeah, we'll just, get into that. Well, Sorry. just six goals like for for Laffy. Like he's just he's a former number one overall pick. He's in his third year. Like in all the, the hype around Bedard right now. That it wasn't Bedard level because he didn't have a World Juniors quite like Bedard. But no, but, he was exceptional status. He was like every bit as hyped. He was supposed to be a prolific number one the way that Bedard is going to be. He probably had like similar like Jack Hughes level hype I would say yeah. like, like you know a guy who's coming in and like maybe we I were... was just exposed to it because I work around junior hockey and in junior hockey he was like god tier no he was especially like, playing where Crosby played all those parallels absolutely like Alexi Lafreniere was supposed to come in and dominate from day one be a number one center on a team and and he just hasn't done that like yeah. he just has not come in and played to the level that you know, he was expected to, and he still could. Like, again, 21 years old, you would hope right. that there'd be a little bit more, but, like, when, when you look at what Jack Hughes was able to do in his 21 year, you know, last year he started to really come on and he became, like, a point-per-game player. 21 points in 46 games, and he's a player who's already had a, a healthy scratch. Like, and, and that's a wake-up call from your coach. It's like, all right, let's 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 get something out of you. I don't know where exactly. Like, he's not being given the opportunities either. Like, He's only averaging about 15 yeah. minutes of ice time. And if you look at his numbers as of late, like he's in the 13, 14-minute range. You know, So the, the utilization, too, from Gerard Gallant is probably something that's also at fault here for the lack of development for Alexi Lafreniere. But it's also like Capo Caco. Same, yep. Like the year before, took him as the number two overall pick behind Jack Hughes. He's got only nine goals this year, twenty-two assists. I mean, those are those are like Pierre Engvall numbers. Yeah, so maybe that's <laughs> a criticism of the way that they develop their younger guys, and it's also difficult to do when you've got Panarin, when you've got Zibanejad. Like it's a lot easier to to develop guys like that when you're when they're your only options as yeah. as scorers, right? Uh, but we've heard Craig talk about how hard that transition is when, especially for someone like Lafreniere, who's been looked at his whole life as the best player on every team that he's ever played on. It'd be an adjustment to figure out who your identity is in the NHL uh, when you're no longer that. Anyways, yeah. Leafs, Rangers tonight. Oh, also of note for the Rangers, and we'll keep getting into this with uh, with Molly later on. Will Cooley, Toronto boy, Windsor yeah. Spitfires legend, making his NHL debut tonight in Toronto. So I, I we won't get to Professor Al's brother's puck picks tonight, Toronto boy NHL debut. I don't know. It screams first goal to me somehow. Does I'd, it? I'd love oh. to see. I'd love to. Yeah, it's. It seems to happen that way. I'm interested to see how many Cooley family members are going to be in the building tonight. I'd imagine quite a few. Yeah, that's what he said. Like, what? What a perfect story. You're a Toronto kid. You get to play for the biggest franchise in the hockey world in the New York Rangers, and then you get to play in the second biggest one, the one that you were raised in for your NHL debut. So pretty cool for, for Will Cooley. Uh, the Lions today, we didn't see a whole bunch of characters out there for morning skate, but we did see Zach Aston Reese. We did see Wayne Simmons. We did see Connor Timmons. We did see. CTJ Brody, uh, among other characters, and, and those will be your scratches tonight. TJ Brody, we'll, we'll ask David Alter a little bit more about this, but he was in a non-contact jersey yesterday in practice, and, and he's starting to work his way back. But Matthews and Marner, Tavares and Nylander, the gangs will stick together, A.B. Yeah, and I mean, coming off of such a strong performance against the Islanders, it, it really did make sense. And when you spoke to Sheldon Keefe a couple of days ago, he said, yeah, it felt like the time was right to, to get that Did you spark. say when I spoke to him? 
Well, when me and Sheldon sat down media, and had a chitty chatty, <laughs> when, when the media spoke to him post the like New York angle. Islanders game, uh, you know, he, he when just Sheldon said, gave me his post game call to break down the tape after <laughs> the game, you imagine you just get the personal post game phone call. All right, Sheldon, what uh, what did you see there? You get the one on one with the coach. Um, look, I, I think it's the right the right time to to make this switch. You know, we've been kind of talking about what, when's this going to happen, right? Is this going to happen now? Is this going to happen in the playoffs? Because for a while there, they were finding success, right? Matthews and Nylander were rolling. You had John Tavares and Mitch Marner. They were rolling, and and you know they kind of alternated times where they were both on top of their games, and then all of a sudden you, you get a really flat period um, against the Islanders in the first period on Tuesday, or on Monday, and Sheldon says, ah, we need a spark. Let's let's flip it around and let's see if we can get these guys going. And so he puts Marner, Matthews, and Bunting, which was one of the best lines in all of hockey last year, back together. They find a spark, have a great first shift of that second period, and then it kept rolling from there, and then eventually the it was it was the, the Willie and John Tavares show for the rest of the game. Um, so it made total sense to me when we saw the practice lines yesterday and noticed that they were back together, and I think they'll get a good run. Like yeah. At this point, I think they'll, they'll be able to get a good run. I, I find it Let's go back to this word, peculiar. Ah. That, um, you know, what, what, what we're going to see out of Tavares and Nylander. Like, it was, it was great against the, the Islanders. The Islanders are pretty – so we, we noted about John Tavares and, and how well he was skating the other day, and he looked great, and he had been um, – he kind of had a, a couple of skating sessions with his development coach um, on January 2nd, and it, it kind of put a little bit more of a pep in his step of late. The Islanders are a pretty slow team, right? Yeah. So, 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 and when when John Tavares looks fast and quick, that might be also an it's indicator. It's the way that here. you and O Dog make one another look quick it, right, when you're dashing. Right? Like, like, like <laughs> I'm fast next to O Dog because right. I beat him in a forty. You right. put me next to Usain Bolt. I mean, I might, might not might, look as quick. Yeah, I'll probably face plant out of the blocks, <laughs> like just because. So. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to be curious to see what Tavares looks like tonight against, uh, a, you know, a different opponent here in the New York Rangers, a better opponent than what the, the Islanders were. But, you know, those two at times struggled last year. And now that Willie's, though, in a different spot and, and he's kind of elevated his game, his overall game, I'll be curious to see if those guys can really be that, that one-two punch that we expect them to be as this top four. Yeah. Because at times last year, like, they were went silent. Like, you go, you look at their five-on-five numbers. Tavares I mean, and Nylander specifically. Yeah, those guys yeah. specifically, the production just wasn't there. And they were getting scored on a lot. Like, like these guys were dashes consistently right. when they were out there on the ice, and it was because Matthews, Munting, uh, Bunting, and Marner were just out there scoring at will, it seemed like, every night. They were able to mask some of those goals. Um, but I'll be curious to see what it looks like tonight with those guys. They played extremely well against the Islanders, and hopefully they can kind of keep it rolling in Nylander can stay on the same pace that he was at the other night and, uh, you know, have a, have a quality game. Yeah, it's interesting because Tavares and Nylander are so electric on uh, Sunday night versus the Islanders, but they were electric at the beginning of the year together as well, AB. Like, yeah, they sure. were the duo that was getting it done, and this was dismantled as a result of that top line not being effective, actually. I don't think they were getting scored on, if I if my memory serves me, AB. Not as much as last year, yeah. No, uh, sorry, I mean Ma- Matthews, Bunting, and Marner. 
I don't think they yeah, were getting scored on were. as much, but they just weren't putting, like, not as much as maybe Tavares and Nylander were last year. Yeah. But they just weren't getting anything done offensively. Like, it wasn't Tavares and Nylander that, that broke up the top six. It was actually that top line that, that wasn't looking very cohesive, wasn't it? Well, it was weird because, if, if I remember correctly, the numbers looked good. Like, they were getting the chances. They were generating a ton of offense, like Matthews, Marner, and Bunting. We kept saying, oh, it's going to come. It's going to come. The, the pipe's going to burst. And it just never did, for whatever reason. Lots of bad puck luck. You know, Matthews was ringing things off the bar, off the post, shooting it wide. Um, and, and, you know, Marner wasn't shooting as much as he was True. a year ago. Like, there was just some weird stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but now it seems like Matthews kind of has a shot back. It seems like Marner, um, you know, has that swagger that he had in the back half of last year. You got Bunting playing some really good, uh, agitative hockey right now. It th- seems like things are now back and in a place with them individually that maybe putting them together, we could see them at their best like we did a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so top two lines shake out like that: Bunting, Matthews, Marner, Yarncroc, Tavares. Tavares, Nylander. I don't know why I said it like that. And then McMahon, Camp, Engvall on the third, Kerfoot, Holmberg, Anderson on the fourth. Deep pairings look a little bit different tonight. Riley Hall, Geo, Lilligren, Sandine, Ben. What do you think of how that shakes out? Well, that's how, like, the top four there, that's how it finished in the last yeah. game, right? Like, if you go back and you look at how poorly those... Uh, those pairings did in the first period. I think the shot attempt numbers was like 20 to 1 with Riley and Lilligren, which, hilarious because we were doing nothing but pumping their tires the, the whole morning prior, talking about how well Lilligren and Riley had played with each other. So they did a little flip uh, in the second period when everything else got changed up. And, you know, I thought that uh, Justin Hall came in and, and, and kind of settled things with, with Morgan Riley, and the numbers kind of ended up being a lot better from there on out. And we saw Geo and, and, and Lilligren and fine chemistry last year. Like, if you recall at the end of the season, you know, that's that's really was who Lilligren was playing with for the entire back half of the year, That basically. was his TSN turning point, I would it, I would say. Yeah, no, it was. Like, just playing with him settled his game, and I think he learned a lot from playing with Mark Giordano, and he's got some comfort playing with Gio. So, you know, being able to play on a, on a pairing with him, I think, is something that he definitely will welcome and, and something that he could do very well, I still believe. So, uh, you know, Morgan Riley and Justin Hall is interesting. I was having a chat with a buddy last night, and he says to me, you know, the, one of the big issues that people have with Justin Hall's game is his tendency to, to pinch in, in inopportune times, right? And Morgan Riley does the same thing. Yeah, like who's so, gonna play D? Well, that's that's the question you have, and um, I think Justin Hall actually spoke to it yesterday, and he said, "I'm gonna give it to Mo. Well, we'll let right. Mo unless an opportunity arises where I can go, and it makes sense. We're gonna, you know, Riley will be the guy who's gonna pinch, and I'll hang back and and you know be that supportive D partner. The the problem with that is, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. He ah. may thinks he has a beautiful opportunity to pinch, and next thing you know, you got Mo on a two-on-one going back the other way. Oh, we'll right. see how that works out. But Wait, we'll beauty is tonight. in the eye of the beholder goes the other way. Hilarious Justin Hall quote from yesterday. Yeah. That gorgeous play he made to Austin oh, Matthews the off, off the, the wall. Oh, oh, yeah, it was a bank pass. Did you hear what he said about it yesterday? No. He kind of laughed, and he said, yeah, I just did the measurements, and I uh, got the <laughs> angle perfect. And then he laughed, and he said, no, that was actually supposed to be a clearing attempt. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so that would have been an icing? Is that, You meant to ice the puck down the ice? He was just instead. trying to clear the puck That's and funny. instead wound up being the perfect thing. What, yeah. what do we always say on this show? You look like a genius when it works. That's You know what? That's exactly that what... That is the tagline of the Leafs lunch. <laughs> That's exactly right. And that's basically what happened last night uh, or in that game Monday night. That's actually really funny. He's out there talking about doing geometry out on the ice. Could you imagine if that was the case? You got guys out. I mean, the the funny thing is, like, it kind of is. If you get the angle right and if you know what you're doing, like, if you were, like, some physics major who's just super smart. Like, I bet Alex Kerfoot, I mean, he was a Harvard grad. I don't know if he did any math or anything right. like that. But, you know, he might be able to. To learn how to do some angles. I'm sure you yeah, can figure it out. He's I'm a smart sure. guy. I'm sure. Um, okay, so there was an interesting concept discussed yesterday on Overthrive. I want to know what you think of it. Changing okay. up the lines, different things that happen. We know the Leafs are barreling towards the Tampa Bay Lightning in uh, the first round of the playoffs, and there's nothing we could do to avoid this car crash that we're seeing happen from a million miles away. Yeah. But in order to stay engaged on these Wednesday night games against the New York Rangers, when the Leafs know where they're locked, like it's it, it's the dog kind of days of the season yep. right now, especially with the way the Leafs don't have a whole lot to play for other than home ice. How do they challenge themselves like internally, and is changing up the lines and changing up the pairings kind of a part of that to keep things fresh? Yeah, I think that 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 probably has some merit to it. I would think, you know, I, I I think Sheldon Keefe alluded to it in a way yesterday when he was talking about Zach Aston Reese. Uh, let me know, Nick, if we actually have that audio. I know that he was speaking on it. You know, the fact that they wanted to get a look at Joey Anderson, and, and a lot of it had to do with Anderson and the way that he was playing when he was in the minors, but also just, you know, he hasn't quite seen what he wants out of Zach Aston Reese, and he's played a little inconsistent as of late, and that could be because, you know, you're in the dog days of the of the season. Yeah. Where just things get a little, you know, lackadaisical, and, you know, I, I you're think You're banged Sheld- up. Yeah, but it's Sheldon cold. just wants people to it's know. snowing today. Everyone drives oh, safe also. Oh, is it ever snowing today? But I think he just wants to, like, let his players know, like, hey, like, there's still something to play for. Yeah. Your spot, like especially lower in the lineup, it's right. like, listen, you got a spot to play for. We got guys coming up in the minors who are finally knocking on the door. We've seen Bobby McMahon and come up, and he's yeah. basically grabbed a spot now. We've seen uh, Pontus Holmberg come up and grab a spot on this roster. Joey Anderson's getting an opportunity tonight to come up and see what he can do. And if Zach Aston Reese doesn't, uh, you know, come out firing in the next opportunity he gets in the next game, maybe it's Friday in, in, against the Ottawa Senators. You know, there's there's other options right so like that's that that should be um something that gets you going something to to wake up and play for is quite literally your spot in the lineup yeah it, like it, Connor just... Simmons is in the same boat right like he's not in the lineup tonight it's 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 Jordy Ben right like you've got to go out there when you get your opportunities and you've got to you've got to you know show up yeah okay we got it now this is this is what Sheldon Keefe had to say about his roster decision to bring in uh, Joey Anderson and scratch we just like him as a player. It gives us a right shot down there in, in the in the bottom six. Uh, so I like that part of it. And you know, I just I think that you know, for for Reister, his game has been a little inconsistent for me. Uh, and it keeps those those guys on their toes as well. You know, whether it's McMahon coming in and and that's you know uh, sort of push a guy like Dryden Hunt and and uh, Aston Reese. 
keeping everybody on their toes, I think, yep. is like the biggest thing that I took out of that. Because I, I, like you and I are kind of in the same grind right now. It's, it's. We know that the Leafs are going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the final, and and we got to sit here and come up with kind of different angles on it every day. And the Leafs, I, I guess, are in the same boat. And it's just kind of interesting to watch the way that they keep themselves engaged and continue to challenge themselves in season. Yeah. Uh, when again, what they're playing for is is obvious. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, they'll have a chance to pick up two points one step closer to solidifying that home ice uh, against the eventual uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, as we all assume it'll be, uh, who did pick up a, a win last night, if I'm not mistaken. So they continue to pick up points as well. So they're they're on the heels of the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, JT, let's, uh, let's, let's take a break because we got David Alter coming up on the other side. We'll get into tonight's game, get his thoughts on what's going on in Leafland. And then Molly Walker going to join us at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. We'll uh, see what's going on in, in Rangerland with her. I think she's going to join us up here in the booth, so that'll be cool to see to see her in person. I mean, uh, it's Wednesday. Word Association Wednesday Woo! making a return, and we got some... We got some comments from the commissioner, Gary Bettman. We got to play those. Oh, Jerry. We got to play those uh, in a little bit. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Teixeira. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Just keep it safe, Get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Welcome back into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tashari, Mike DiStefano with the Leafs Rangers tonight here at Scotiabank Arena. We are in the building right now. You can hear that game on TSN 1050. Have you ever played hooky, Julia? What are you... Oh, listen, I'm bringing him in the same way. Don't worry, because I know that there is a battle between him and Mark Masters for attendance. Uh, we are in the building right now, but not in the building is TSN, sorry, not TSN Leafs reporter, Sports Illustrated Leafs reporter, David Alter. Let's bring him in right now. David, you are like the best on Twitter with Leafs updates. You're always up to date. Today, we are in the building, but still obviously refreshing our Twitter feeds for confirmation of, of what's going on in front of us, because that's something that we do for uh, no reason, and you're not here. How are you feeling, first of all? Well, I'm all right. It was a calculated decision on my part, because when I came back from Montreal, I started to feel a little bit ill. I did all the tests. It's not COVID. It's not anything like that. But as you can probably hear from my voice, um, I'm in the, the end stages of it when flu turns to cold. Right. And so it's just a matter of flushing that part out. But I actually feel fine. I just sound terrible. But when I when I got up this morning, I was like, you know what? I didn't get a lot of sleep. And I know there's not going to be any news or changes from what happened the day before. Mm. And so it was a very calculated effort on my part that me not being there, there was going to be no news. And so I'm proud to say that I was kind of perfect in that regard because there really isn't. But what I can tell you <laughs> is that, that, that um, you know, Samsonov is going to make his fourth straight start tonight. And uh, he'll be the first goalie this season to make four consecutive starts for the Maple Leafs and and uh, I was told Shesterkin uh, did not skate, which is his normal routine. So it is going to be the battle of the Russians. The two guys trained together in Florida. I know Samsonov's been very much looking forward to this matchup to kind of measure himself. And, and it's going to be a great measure for Leaf fans to kind of see where Ilya Samsonov is in the progression of his career by going up against someone of that caliber and how he performs tonight. 
Yeah, okay, first of all, I'm glad that you're feeling well, but do you have a, a running tally between you and Mark Masters when it comes oh, to attendance? Oh, I've got him beat by a country mall. Because <laughs> of World, World Juniors? Junior right. Yeah, oh, right. yeah there's, no, there's no catching up. Right. Like, there, there really isn't. I don't mean to be cocky or anything like that because the season's not finished. You know, LTI injuries can happen to anybody, yeah. whether you're a player or reporter. Um, but, no, I've got him beat at this point, so... Um, but uh, there is still no beating the, the the work ethic of Mark Masters. It was his choice. He probably would have beat me there all the time, and he was there today. So he would clone um, himself. He would fly back and forth from. He would have flown back and forth from Halifax to Toronto uh, <laughs> if he could. could. Yeah. There's, Anyways. Yeah, there's no beating Mark Masters. I'll just put it that way. No, no. Uh, with David Alter right now from Sports Illustrated, a Leafs reporter, we're just talking about the goaltending, and the goalies were putting in some extra work at practice yesterday. The goggles were back, David. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the goggles were back. Um, that was uh, Matt, Matt Murray uh, using the swivel vision, something that we had seen. Now, I don't know, maybe behind closed doors. They do a lot of work closed uh, behind closed doors that we don't see that it, it might be more of a regular feature there, but it was the first time we had seen it since September. And uh, it's certainly one of those things where it's supposed to help uh, different athletes, whether it's football players, especially wide receivers, trying to track the ball as the ball's being passed to them, or in this case, goaltenders, where um, they're trying to kind of use the middle part of the eyes, as it was explained, uh, to, to help track the puck better. And when Matt Murray was using that in the off season, uh, it seemed to kind of help as he was, he was pretty good in the earlier portions of it. And so um, I'm wondering right now if, if this time away from the ice has just been a way to get Matt Murray recalibrated after his performance against the Florida Panthers, where he allowed four goals on eight shots. So there is a little bit of that, but it's also Ilya Samsonov taking the net. I would be surprised if we didn't see Murray against uh, the Senators in a couple days. Uh, just when you look at load management and everything like that, it seems like the perfect opportunity to get him back in. But, um, yeah, the goggles are back. Um, it's, it, it looks, it's just a, it's an interesting look because it's, it's not really something you see midseason, but uh, it's certainly kind of uh, – my eyes a little bit just to kind of see that okay they are they are working on more of the back to basics with Matt Murray right now. Uh, and up front, the top four have been reunited. You got Matthews with Marner and Nylander going back with uh, John Tavares after they had a successful game the other night against the New York Islanders. And Sheldon Keefe saying, you know, the response he saw in that game meant that the the time is right to get those lines back together. You fully expect for. Uh, maybe even more so that top line, which was arguably the most dominant line in all of hockey last season, to kind of pick up where they left off, and they're in a better place now individually, which should lead to some more uh, team success for them than they were earlier in the year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just going based on previous patterns, I was surprised that this four group didn't get reunited earlier in the season. It just seemed like whenever things would go wrong, they would make that switch. And then when things would get righted again, they would go back to it. But Sheldon Keith kept it. And then he liked how Mitch Marner was playing consistently and getting points all the time and driving that line and helping John Tavares game. And, and it, it created more of a balanced attack that way. But I think what that switch showed last night or the other night, I should say, is that when you make that switch to, to reunite Matthews and Marner, expect the production there, that there's not going to be any drop-off with that second line when Nylander 
scores, two goals and two assists, and John Tavares fires as many shots on net as he did. I think that was probably the biggest reason you make that switch, knowing that the second line isn't going to be struggling a little bit as a result of putting arguably your two best players together on top. So I think that's probably what led to a lot of that switch more than anything else is that you can feel comfortable from a defensive standpoint, but also offensively with where William Nylander's taken his game that that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews together doesn't provide any sort of drop off on that second line like it has at times last year. So back to basics for the goaltenders, back to the old classic lines uh, for the top six for the Leafs. AB and I were talking in the first block about how at this point in the season when it's kind of the dog days and specifically for the Leafs who who know almost certainly that they're going to have the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, does this feel like kind of a, a, a reset point for the Leafs almost to get refocused for the second half of the season? Do you, do you feel like they're trying to challenge themselves maybe just ensure they stay engaged when they know exactly what's coming here? I think so. I mean, at this point, you really have to find ways to keep yourself motivated, especially when you know that that break is coming up for 10 days. And uh, even when the break was coming up for that three days uh, in December, uh, Sheldon Keith said it was hard not to look past that just because going into that day, guys have their bags ready and and their their plans and, and all this other stuff that they're trying to get prepared that it's kind of hard to ignore that it's there. So you have that element of it. Um, But an article I just put out about an hour ago, so now with Joey Anderson being up, I think this is an opportunity to figure out what is your fourth line going to be for the playoffs? Like these little details, like things where they were kind of hoping they would have a a solution, a different look on the fourth line that they've had in years past that they know can go toe-to-toe with the other fourth lines in the playoffs. And I don't think they've at this point figured out what that is yet or necessarily know what that's going to look like from a playoff intent standpoint. So they bring Joey Anderson back. Dryden Hunt goes to the Marlies. Um, Zach Aston Reese comes out. Sheldon Keith saying that his play has been a little bit inconsistent, which is, um, you know, I'm not calling him out, but it, this is a guy who was brought in to really help provide some consistency on that fourth line. So there are certainly warning signs that Sheldon Keith is trying to put to the team to make sure no one's getting too comfortable with their place in the lineup because, as you mentioned, you can't really go too far down unless there's a real slide. And the Boston Bruins are proving they really can't go up either. So these are the kind of accountability shifts and movements that the Leafs kind of have to make to to kind of keep the team accountable. But they still have answers they still have to look for answers to questions like what's the fourth line going to look like because that was a problem for the Leafs against Tampa last year. So they still kind of have to figure things like that out. Well, I'm curious what you think the identity should be for this Maple Leafs team. Like, there's one school of thought that think they need to have, you know, a heavy fourth line and just be really responsible defensively. And then there's some school of thought that looks at the fourth line and they say, oh, they don't get enough offense from it. Well, sometimes you need to 
you know, at, at the threat of losing a little bit of offense because you have some stabilizing defensive forces. Like, is there maybe a fourth-line identity that you think would work best for this Maple Leafs team, or do you think that's what the team is trying to figure out here down the stretch as well? Well, well I think they're trying to figure that out, but I think they're also trying to figure out the right three guys that can adjust for what the situation calls for, right? Because it's mm-hmm. going to be about what that fourth line they go up against does to them or how they're deployed. So if it's a situation where that fourth line comes out and they're just kind of sitting back and being heavy while well, they want their fourth line coming out and bringing energy and providing uh, a four check in an offense that will kind of get them going and, and, and provide, you know, a, a higher plus in terms of the goal share and, and, and things like that. But um, if it's a physical bruising fourth line that, that uh, is just throwing the body around and, and running guys out, well, then you need, you need guys who can, hit you can kind of deliver and and bring a different element to that and i think that's kind of the idea of why they brought someone like dryden hunting is to see if that's a player who can be a quote-unquote momentum changer with a big hit every now and then but also be able to provide the skill on the fourth line uh, that can do some damage that way and so really they need three guys who are defensively responsible can be aggressive on the four check when they get the puck but also be able to hit and not be afraid to get into the interior. And um, it's just about finding the right mix of those guys, but also knowing what that matchup is going to be like. And, and they can use the time between now and the end and scout Tampa to kind of figure out what that fourth line is going to look like uh, that's going to go up against him to find that right mix. But um, to me, it's still the biggest question mark right now. Okay, now now you have me reflecting because a lot of conversation about acquiring a defenseman, a lot of conversation about acquiring someone to play alongside Nylander and, and Tavares, whoever picture, and people picture that player being, whether it's a heavier guy or right. uh, another scoring winger. But now I'm thinking about the fourth line, and I've kind of liked the way the fourth line has looked this year, except for when you think about Pat Maroon, Pierre-Edward Belmar, and, and Corey Perry, who, who can be punishing physically yeah. but also score. Yeah, that's that's just it, right? Like there's there is that element of it, and uh, I think the Leafs learned in that playoff series last year that what they had wasn't necessarily the right mix in that regard. So they kind of have to figure out what they can do and 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 kind of figure out the right stop gaps there. But at the same time, the fourth line isn't something you kind of mortgage the team against, right? You can pick up pieces right. that just kind of fit there, and and all the other things that you mentioned are still going to be expensive acquisitions to improve the team. So I, I do think that the Leafs need another skilled top six player. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Callie Yarncroke has produced well on that second line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it kind of got me thinking maybe he can be that guy because if they move him down, he just doesn't seem to be effective. And, and so it's, can you move him down and still be an effective player for you? That's what the Leafs haven't been able to figure out because when he was in that third line role, it was, it really didn't make a difference if he was in the lineup or not at times. Like they might've liked to some of his defensive like defensive elements of the game, but I don't think he was providing what they were looking for. And then the second line, he's done that. But now if you want to improve at the trade deadline and get someone like that, is that a reasonable acquisition at the cost of, of perhaps not getting the same kind of output from someone like Cali Yonker? The cap's going to play a huge role in all of that too. And, and then of course there's the defense and the talk about 
is the Leafs defense deep enough that you feel confident in that group going in to the playoffs? And there's a lot of debate about that as well. Chat with David Alter, Sports Illustrated. Um, while we're on the topic of you know trade deadline and potential options that the Maple Leafs could have topic. out there, we'll be on that topic. We'll be hanging on that. Oh, topic. I'm sure we'll be on that topic for a while now. But Dave, I'm curious. You know, who's a guy that you've done some digging on that you think might be a good fit for the Maple Leafs at the deadline? Any new names that hit your radar lately? Uh, nobody knew, and like the only reason I haven't kind of looked too deep into it right now is because what you forecast right now is going to be very different than what they do in March, only because there could be some serious injuries that change the complexion of it. And, and by serious injuries, I mean cap room available. Like, really, their cap room is little to none. That if they're going to make any sort of move and, and, and get someone meaningful, even with brokers, it might still cost a roster player. And if they... If they send a roster player over, it seems to me like it defeats the whole purpose. Like they weren't willing or or in a rush to give up a roster player when they were up against the cap and at 20 players to begin the season. So I don't know. Like I I think the Leafs are just weary of making any sort of move between now and March, not knowing what their situation is going to look like because injuries are just an inevitability. They're going to happen. And, um, you know, Nick Robertson getting hurt helped them a little bit because that's guaranteed money that they're going to know. The the Jake Muzzin situation should be clear by that point, too. And, and that money is already being used. So I looked at Ryan O'Reilly as probably like a, a, a reasonable candidate for someone that the Leafs should kind of go after, someone who is skilled but also provides some of that playoff battle-tested elements of it that maybe was different than some of the the transactions that the Leafs did in the previous years with guys like Mark Giordano and um, Nick Foligno. Not saying that Giordano hasn't been an excellent addition. Of course he has been. But uh, in, in, um, in Ryan O'Reilly, he just seems like kind of what they need in that market. It kind of fits the, it fits the pattern of the Leafs acquiring an existing captain of a, of a current team as well, the deadline. So, um, yeah, I think that that type player seems to make the most sense for Toronto right now. But again, they just don't have a lot of room. You get that cap down with two teams as a broker, and then you can barely fit it in as it is right now, that I think more injuries, which seem to be inevitable, will kind of help the Leafs in that regard. It's a record amount of teams in LTI, uh, a record low in cap space available that you're going to see some weird, wacky, creative stuff between now and March for, for teams to even be able to add one or two players max because it's just there's just not a lot of room until that salary cap goes up meaningfully, perhaps as early as next season. Right. That's a good point. We're used to seeing Kyle Dubas make the preemptive move, but difficult for him to do without knowing exactly what's going on with Jake Muzzin. Okay, David, just before we let you go, Austin Matthew is going to be mic'd up for the national game on TNT tonight in the States. Is it a miss to you that they didn't toss the mic on Michael Bunting? Like, it just, I know it's Austin Matthews and there's pop there, but if you really want the content, you got to go to Bunts, right? Well, there, okay, so there's two schools of thought there. While I agree with you in terms of the colorful language that would be there. There's right. also how much would probably be censored. Ah. So there, so, yeah. So there's You'd have that. to be hovering on the bleep button. <laughs> right. In charge. So there's, all, there's also that, but there's also 
like you actually kill off two birds with one stone by going with Austin Matthews because they sit together on the bench. So the mic's going to pick up Michael Bunting anyway. So there's that. And then when they're on the line, there's going to be times where if there's a scrum that ensues and they want some creative audio, they're going to pick up some Michael Bunting stuff for sure. But it's the American broadcast. They're catering to a U.S. audience. It was kind of funny. Like, uh, I know it's a different network, but ESPN kind of felt like, you know, with Austin Matthews, they they made this whole to-do about covering the Toronto-Detroit game, and then Austin Matthews was not playing in that one. So, so, like, there's been few opportunities for the U.S. audience to get an Austin Matthews game. So uh, it makes sense here. Uh, Look, and if if we really want to kind of break it down to brass tacks and kind of galaxy brain this a little bit, I like um, it. Yeah, it's uh, look. Austin Matthews is going to the All Star game and not William Nylander. And um, even though William Nylander is probably more deserving from what he's done this season, it's about selling the game and Austin Matthews in the United States that probably puts someone like him over. So right. Austin Matthews is always going to get the default go-to guy treatment uh, for the United States audience, no matter what. Yeah, I think it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it uh, it does make sense there. All right, Dave, appreciate you joining us, uh, having uh, a little bit under the weather, but still joined us nonetheless. You're a true beautician, a my game. friend. <laughs> the flu game, for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, I'll, uh, we'll talk to you down the road. All right, see you guys. There he goes, David Alter. Do you know how much Willie's probably... I'd love to I'd love to get a candid answer out of him. He'd never say this. I feel like William Nylander has the energy that he's like, oh, God, yeah. I'm stoked I didn't have to go to that. I'm oh, going to the beach. Sure. I'm going to the beach. Although it's in Miami, though. Yeah, like, it's in, true. It's in Florida. Like, but I mean, like, anyway. he wants to go to Costa Rica and get his hair done and wear those, like, neon shorts he always Why posts. Costa Rica? Don't they usually go down to Miami? No, I feel like they do a real tropical vacation. Maybe I, I not sure, but it I do will enough give him Instagram creeping. That's true. To know will, that he gets the braids done, he sits on like he enjoys it. I will defer to you on that one. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. Uh, when we get back. We are going to be joined by Molly Walker. She will join us in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, we still got to play that that hilarious audio from Gary Bettman. So that all coming up on the show. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leaf Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Just watch me dance. Leaf Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion as we welcome you back into Leaf's Lunch here on TSN 1050. Molly Walker will join us on the other side to tee up this Leaf's Rangers game tonight. We're at Scotiabank Arena right now. We are... Very cold, we'll note, and you can listen to that game on TSN 1050 tonight. Warmer than most days, though, AB. Last week, last week I developed a cold for the period of time that we were in the building, and then it went away when we left. Yeah, you, you get the little, the nose starts to run a little bit. You I'm got, a girl. you got a red nose a little bit. We're, we're Rudolph up here when we're doing the games up here, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I like being here, just kind of seeing what's going on. It looks like the Rangers now officially off the ice now. So, uh, yeah, we'll be joined by Molly Walker in a couple of minutes here. Um, Really quickly, before we get into uh, tonight's game with the Rangers and the Maple Leafs, did you see this Rick Tockett audio from yesterday? Well, like last night he made his debut. It went well for the Canucks. It just as 
poor Bruce Boudreaux predicted when they held on to the bitter end, and Rick Tockett got a nice, easy slide in with, with three bottom-tier teams for his first three games. But they win 5-2 versus Chicago, and, and he got, like, an interesting reception from the crowd. There were some cheers. There were some boos. I'd like to think that they weren't directed at Rick Tockett specifically, but more yeah. to the management group. Yeah, I don't know. probably. Like, just the situation. People are still yeah. bitter about the entire situation. What's jersey going on, on the there. ice three minutes into That's the game. That's just dumb. Like, I don't know. Why are you throwing a jersey on the It's a new era. It's a new era. What are you throwing a jersey for? Like, Saturday night would have been jersey thrown. Absolutely. Night. But, like, awesome. what are you doing? Tockett's been your head coach for all of three and a half minutes. You're chucking jerseys yeah. on the ice. And what also, you? if you're going to throw jerseys, know. you can't do it during the course of play. That's extremely dangerous. Yeah, do yeah, it as a whistle was, and have yeah. some respect. But, uh, okay, do we have this here, Nick? The uh, the He answered a hilarious question. Rick Tockett's middle name is Lou. Well, uh, I, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't believe it's actually Lou, by the okay, way. Okay, look it up. It, it'd be way more hilarious if it was. Well, okay, it's actually funny that it's not. So he was asked about it. So there was boos. Uh, they put him up on the Jumbotron, and there was a mixed reaction, some cheering, some boos, and he was asked about uh, his reaction to getting the boos, and here's what he had to say. seemed like a bit of a mixed reaction in the building. I uh, don't know if you heard it, but what was your reaction, or what is your well, you, reaction? You, 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 don't know, you don't know what my middle name is? <laughs> it's Lou. You know that? Is it really? Yeah, a couple of people. Yeah, they, I think they know my middle name's Lou. <laughs> no, listen, listen. He, he, like, they were cheer, like they were cheering the players. They were loud. First of all, it would have been way. Okay, his name is Lou. First of all, so I how apologize. dare you? Second of all, so so here here's why I didn't think it was Lou. So I thought he was just pulling back like an old joke because when they used to cheer Roberto Luongo, yes. they would say Lou. Yeah. And people who weren't familiar with the fan base thought they were always booing Luongo. So I thought he was just making a joke, a saying, Canada "Oh, they knew I was too. Lou." Yeah. And they're like, oh, they didn't knew that my middle name was Lou. I thought he was making a Canucks joke with the Canucks fan base, trying to build a rapport. Turns out his middle name is actually Lou. That was the biggest stretch I've ever heard in my life, but his middle name is How's Lou. How's that stretch? That makes complete sense. <laughs> okay, it makes Come sense on. that his middle name is Lou. Also lit up last night was you on Twitter. In addition to Rick Tockett getting look, lit it's up. just people on Twitter, you got these critters out there. that Like, you just can't post stats anymore without people going after you. Listen, I just posted a Canucks stat Nation pack. was very sensitive. And it wasn't were... Canucks Nation. I'm sure it was a bunch of people that weren't Canucks fans. Right. But all I did was I posted, hey, season-high shots on goal, season-high expected goals for, expected goals against. Basically, they played their best game of the season last night, and all these stats indicated it. And it was, you know, got the new coach bump, and I jokingly said, dot, 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 Rick, there it is. And everybody gets on me, oh, they're playing the Blackhawks. Like, yeah, thanks, Tips. Yeah. But, I mean, the stats are the stats. This is what happened. They still have to win. I mean, you, you can't say that the Canucks are terrible and trash and then say, well, yeah, of course they played well. They played a bad team. I thought the Canucks were a bad team. Right. What do you mean? You had so many people on Twitter, these critters, talking about both sides of their mouths. Poor Al's brother. Yeah, well, it's what it, it is. Tremendous information, is. but the people just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> By the way, I've got a new segment idea that we're gonna do. It's called Tremendous Information or Horrendous Information. Oh, okay. And you got to decipher if these numbers that I've pulled out do they mean anything it or are they just terrible? It was tremendous information. It was horrendous timing. I thought it was, it was, it was terrific timing, just like the Lou joke. Terrific timing. Okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right. We got to fly. We got Molly Walker uh, joining us on the other side to help tee up tonight's game, Leafs and Rangers, right here on TSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashari. Leafs Lunch continues here on TSN 1050.